And I would say, especially to younger people in our audience, you know, uh, whether it be in 20s, 30s, but that um, as you get older, life will humble you. Mm-hmm. you. You have enough lessons that go on through life that are God-ordained and God allows suffering and so forth that we really have no reason to be arrogant. And yet our hearts, it says, the fallen heart is arrogant. It's, it's I, I will live my own life. I will make my own way. I can do this. And life will show you, you know what, I'm, I'm sinful. Hello, this is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Deniana Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to episode 13, part four of a four-part series entitled Things That Shut a Heart Down in Relationships. If you haven't heard parts one through three, we encourage you to check those episodes out first. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here's Worley and Danina. Welcome back to our fourth uh, series in this podcast on what shuts a heart down. We've been looking at different things that can shut our own heart down, but also shut others down to us in relationship. And today we're going to look at six more areas as we finalize this series. And one of the things I wanted to say is something we we just talked about a little bit ago, you and I did, but that is that um, our heart being shut down because our heart is a, a living organism, literally, physically, mm-hmm. but the heart that God has given us where life springs from Mm-hmm. Um, can be shut down, you know, a little bit during a day or maybe for a whole day or, you know, for weeks sometimes. We we give these things to think about because we want to be paying attention to our hearts, that God has given us this new heart to live from where His Spirit abides. And, and, and so we just always want to be mindful of the condition of what's going on in my heart. At any given time. Because yeah. if we don't, I mean, we're going to miss out on living the full life mm-hmm. that we could have and that mm-hmm. God has intended for us. But we also may not even be aware that we're impacting all sorts of other mm-hmm. people yeah. around us because we're so unaware of what's going on in our own heart. And I think the evil one wants us to stay blind to that and disconnected from that because that is our source, our power source, really in, um, you know, how we live and in relationships. And, you know, you might be somebody that your heart is fully alive in one relationship, but lives really dead, distant, disconnected, shut down in another. I mean, you know, that's telling you yes. something. And it's it's just important to pay attention. And understand. I yes. think God's given us the ability to understand that if my heart's, you know, good with you, but it's going to shut down to, you know, a friend, it's probably because of something that's going on or going on with a friend, and there's going to be a level of pain there. But I need to think about that. I can't ignore that. It's the it's the place where God works on us, and it's really what spurred us to you know name our ministry um, in our counseling service, Redeemed Hearts. We're people whose God's made new and given a new heart to live from, hmm. and so we want you know people to think about it. And so we give these things, offer these things. We're going to pick it up again today. You mentioned we have six more. 
of things that can can shut down our heart. The next one is to be boastful. We really draw this from 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about love in 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 your in a, in order to love as God intends us to love. It's something that comes from our heart internally, but it says love does not boast. And boastful describes one who talks conceitedly. It's the need to build oneself up to others by talking about oneself. It promotes oneself to others with no sincere thought of God being the one who made us, and ultimately God's the one who enables us in the things that we're able to do. Um, For this reason, boasting shuts our hearts down. God won't allow us to be boastful people and not feel the conviction of that, or I think the deadness that then would come if we're boastful because of sin. C.S. Lewis said it's the utmost evil to be boasting because it puts ourselves first and everyone else, including God, becomes less important. And we know that Jesus did just the opposite, that his whole life was about humbling himself and becoming a man who was a slave to God. Mm -hmm. And if anybody had reason for boasting, he would have. So boasting is is a big one. And I like Proverbs 27, too, where it says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're living the life that we need to be and should be, and maybe we're, we're doing well, I mean, uh, you know, it's one thing for somebody else to say that. It's another thing for me to be finding my security or my identity mm-hmm. or whatever in me having to build myself up to mm-hmm. other people all and the time. And then to, to tag on that, Paul said, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And, yeah. and, he, and that comes at the end of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians 12, where he, he gets a long list of very hard things in his life mm-hmm. that were hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, um, to boast in the things that show our weakness. And in Christ, we can even, these last four <clears throat> podcasts, we can see the things that are true about us mm-hmm. in these and boast in our weakness in that because mm-hmm. Christ has paid the price for that. And mm-hmm. he's 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 going to give us what we need to be able to change and to be redeemed and to— Yeah, Paul goes on to say right after that is— of what God said to him, because God inflicted him, mm-hmm. that God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then, then he said, well, therefore, I'm going to boast in, in my weakness because it was, you know, what God had given to him internally in his heart, his forgiveness, and also his, you know, power to live and live well. Mm-hmm. So the second one is very close to this. Uh, I mean, this is also really, you know, coming out of 1 Corinthians 13, but um, arrogance can shut a heart down. And arrogance is the heart that leads to boasting. We know, I mean, from 1 Corinthians, love is not arrogant. But one does not have to really be um, a talker like the boasting person. They're the talker. They're putting it out there all the time to still be proud right. and to still be arrogant because— It kind of catches, you know, you might be somebody who doesn't brag a lot, but what's going on in your heart? Mm-hmm. And an arrogant uh, attitude, that's when, you know, any of us are thinking more highly of ourselves than we really are. And, you know, we forget that all that we are, our abilities, our success, uh, you know, our 
whatever it might be, our inerrant goodness comes from God. And arrogance will shut down a heart for the same reason as boasting does, because it incorrectly puts oneself above God, and it's always putting oneself above other people. One person uh, said, and I like this, that humility has never started or kept a fight going. Proud people fight, and arrogance is big-headed, but love is big-hearted. Mm. I mean, I, I really like that um, you know, sentence there. And part of it is we know in James, I mean, it says, where does quarreling and fighting come from? I mean, it comes from pride mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, some other things mentioned there, but pride's a big part of that, keeping quarreling and fighting going. And I would say, especially to younger people in our audience, you know, uh, whether it be in 20s, 30s, but that um, as you get older, life will humble you. Mm-hmm. You, you have enough lessons that go on through life that are God-ordained and God allows suffering and so forth that we really have no reason to be arrogant. And yet our hearts, it says, the fallen heart is arrogant. It's, it's I, I will live my own life. I will make my own way. I can do this. And life will show you, you know what, I, I, I'm sinful, I need God. I need help. And so I caution those who are younger especially. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Let God, through life and through your experiences, show you um, how, how small you are, how big he is, and how good he is, even though you know we can be really proud. And I would say to some of you, you may think you're not proud because you don't think more highly of yourself. You're the opposite. You think, um, have a very low thought about yourself. You, um, you know, are constantly still, though, who are you thinking about? You're thinking about yourself. Mm -hmm. What a loser you are. Mm -hmm. Why can't you get this right? Why, you know, what's wrong with you? And it's still a self-focus. And it's arrogance. And it's still arrogance that falls into this category. Um, And so... you know, we don't want to be deceived, like thinking, well, I'm humble when what I'm really doing is constantly, you know, beating myself up. That That's that's also arrogance because it has to do with where the focus is. And, and that's not how God sees his children. That's not how God sees those that he's saved. He's, if, if you know Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And so living in you gives you the resources that you need. And so um, isn't humility, I may get this mixed up, but it's thinking of self less. I guess that's Mm -hmm. the opposite of selfishness, but you're not consumed with yourself. You think correctly about yourself. Right. And so I'm glad you bring that up because it's as easy to go that way for some and think, uh, that they're not being arrogant when in reality, maybe you are. And And part of the evaluating is just how... I mean, how much of the time are you thinking about yourself one yeah. way or the other? Yeah. Like I'm all that or, you know, I'm a piece of scum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever direction you're you're going, recognize how much you're thinking about yourself. And, and so living with, whether it be the boastful talker or whether it be the arrogant person who doesn't talk and, and living with those things, we are, it'll shut our heart down to the Lord and then to other people. Mm-hmm. So... And our prayers, I want to say this, our Mm -hmm. prayers have changed over the years Mm -hmm. because I think we've learned to start our day 
and you know, you'll often use the words, I'm not sufficient for today. I don't have what it takes. And, you know, I'll, um, you know, tell God the things that I'm facing and how, I mean, apart from him, I can do nothing. I mean, just starting our day with that mindset often helps Helps. fight against, you know, fight against this instead of just rushing into the day and I'm going to do everything and I'm going to get everything off my list. And, you know, then I'm going to feel good about myself at the end of that day because I've gotten all this done. I mean, where there's no thought toward my weakness Mm -hmm. in that, no thought toward um, even other people, like how have I treated other people while I've got everything checked off my list? I mean, you know, where's God in all of this? So, and He's been very faithful to be good to us in that way to 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 allow us to learn that mm-hmm. through through our own struggle, our own suffering, our own being humbled, being proud, and doing things yeah. independent and yeah. ourselves, and yeah. um, realizing stuff. we can't. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. <laughs> so the next one we want to mention that will shut us down, and it comes again from First Corinthians thirteen. And it's rudeness. This is an interesting thing where Paul says love is not rude. And this word describes a lack of consideration for others. It can be poor manners. It can carry nothing for others' feelings or what's going on with somebody else. It can be insensitive. It carries the idea of being crude or careless or even overbearing. Um and it can shut one's heart down to God because uh, because it's careless. It can also shut somebody else down because it can frustrate. It can wound others. It can hurt others. Um, tied into this is is also uh, the scriptures that would translate this word using profane language can be this um, in front of another or toward another. I know in our culture, there seems to be less regard for for words that are used in the meaning of the word. And so there's there's a fair amount of resurgence, I think, of profanity. And it's just a it, it's just a carelessness of even thinking about what do those words, you know, bring up in somebody else's mind. I think a person that cusses all the time doesn't think so much about those words because they become perhaps callous to it. But by using profane language, then you'll, um, you can't help but cause somebody else to think about what you're saying. And, you know, and, and I'm no prude here. I'm, um, you know, pretty free and thoughtful in regard to um, I know that the, you know, somebody that cusses, it's not the worst sin. I'm more right, concerned right. about what's going on in the heart. But the point being here is just being being unthoughtful um, does impact others. And that's this whole idea of rudeness. Um, and so the opposite of it is to be gracious, thoughtful, caring with words, with attitude, with action towards others whether they deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. And as believers, we really testify to Christ when we're considered and respectful of others.
the next thing that we're going to look at, the fourth thing here, is selfishness. And selfishness is, I mean, it's in all of us, and it comes out in all of us in different ways. But the point here is to, it's to be a person who has the ability to look outside of oneself and beyond oneself to, you know, what really is going to benefit another. And this is, uh, I mean, this is going to look different in different situations mm-hmm. with different people. But selfishness shuts our heart down because it's so contrary to how God made us. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has made us to um, die to ourselves. He has made us to live beyond ourselves. So when we're, we're self-focused, we're not really living out Christ in us at, at this point. And I think one example of selfishness that that I often think about is, you know, over the 23, 24 years of counseling, I've yet to see somebody come in the office who struggles with addiction mm-hmm. that selfishness is not also um, really at the root of so much of that. And I even uh, not that long ago had had a man who's really um, worked his program really well through AA. And he just, um, you know, said, he, he was here with his wife, and he just said, you know, the only thing I can tell you, Danina, is that arrogance and selfishness has flu- fueled my addiction my whole life, mm. and humility and honesty has now saved me. Mm. I loved that. You know, um, arrogance and selfishness fueled my addiction, and humility and honesty has saved me. So selfishness, we know, will suck the life right out of any relationship and when it's ongoing i mean sometimes people get to a point they they have to remove themselves and set boundaries in these kind of relationships because you know otherwise um i mean it's it's going to suck the life out of them where they have nothing to give to but you you have a good story about that yeah i want to tell this story it's something i've told in sermons in the past um but before i do that just that first corinthians 13 again, says love doesn't insist on its own way. It's not selfish. It's not all about what what I need, what I want, and so forth. And the story is told of a miserly, wealthy woman whose husband had been dead for many years and had sent she had sent money to a caretaker of a cemetery to buy flowers and put on her husband's grave. Uh, she was too hurt and self-focused to go there herself was too much for her. And when she finally did, um, it was because the doctors had given her a short time to live. And so she goes to the cemetery and she found out that the caretaker had not put the flowers on her husband's grave, Mm -hmm. but instead had taken them to hospitals and nursing homes for people who were living so they could see them and smell them and appreciate them and enjoy them. And he told the woman that the flowers were therapy for those who were living. And it upset her so much that he had done that and Mm -hmm. she left. And then some months later, she returned and she was a totally different person, glowing and full of good health. She said that she initially resented the caretaker for doing it, but then she realized that he was right and began taking the flowers herself to hospitals and nursing homes. And then in so doing was living life for others, not constantly being about her own way. Mm -hmm. A picture of how she was shriveling and dying. Literally. 
consumed in her selfishness Mm -hmm. and that then turned when she began to give and, you know, give give of herself to others. And this situation I was just talking about, there's so much joy in that man as Mm -hmm. he has been loving Mm -hmm. his wife and engaged with his wife and, you know, giving to his family and instead of taking and um, it's it's like new life has you know literally been resurrected in his own heart, and as that's happening, you know it's it's resurrecting relationships as well. So and you know what I think, Danina, we're living in a time where so many Christians aren't sure how to live. They're not sure what to do. There's a lot of pools mm. to hey, we got to be involved in this thing or that thing. At the at the initial stages for any believer, where it starts is in our heart. And anybody, it's never too late to 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 turn away from selfishness, mm-hmm. to to turn towards how God might use you in another person's life. And if you don't have the capability to go a long ways away, I mean, here's a miserly woman. She can't do a lot. She's mm-hmm. got a little bit of money. She could do something and just you know that giving life to other people. And I think. You're the person you mentioned. What small ways that just turn their life around mm-hmm. to be able to turn away from? Yeah. So the next one we have that'll shut us down is um, irritability. Uh, in First Corinthians again says love is not irritable. So this word, an irritable person, um, it's the outward expression of selfishness. Many people who are sullen and down live with this emotion because they have an attitude of thinking they deserve to be treated better Mm -hmm. or simply deserve better than the difficulties that are common to all men. And if you let that sink in, you realize that this is something that we can control in our attitudes to just turn away from. So, So when somebody's irritable, not only are they living shut down, but the people around them find themselves having to be careful um, to walk on eggshells. I find you irritating when you're irritable. (laughs) Yes, and you know, know, sometimes as I've gotten older, I know I get probably a little shorter about certain things, and I've seen this in older men, and (laughs) Taylor will call me cantankerous, and, Mm -hmm. you know, but but the the important thing to remember here is that being irritable um, is not the, the, there's not an openness to what God is allowing in mm-hmm. my own heart and life. Maybe there is a little bit of discomfort or maybe there is some suffering and maybe I'm tired at times, but does that give me, is that an okay to take that out on others, to be difficult to be around? Well, no. And so an irritable person um, fails to be thankful for all that God has done for them. I mean, I watch my dad age with grace, mm-hmm. where other older men don't always do that. Until the right. day that he died, um, he uh, was very thoughtful towards others. But he always found things to yes. be thankful for, so that's yes. why that would go with this. Yes. He, he could tell you what was hard for him, and yeah. he would not stay there in that same yeah. conversation he would always say but i'm thankful i'm in my home or i'm you know thankful that i'm not physically hurting and he had parkinson's so he had he had a fair amount of suffering but he would 
in, in that, find those things, and that would change that heart yes. in him. And I think that's part of what did it. Yeah. I mean, and I had moments with him where he was struggling, and you know, sure. it was, but it was pretty rare. He was characterized by. He was being characterized more time and Gracious. again of going through some really tough stuff, mm. but being that way. So that's irritable. Our, we have a couple left. Our next one is resentfulness. And, you know, this, this is an important one. This occurs, I think, when we have ongoing pain in our life or ongoing, just like we talked about earlier, unmet expectations. And, um, you know, maybe things aren't changing. And this resentfulness, this is a term um, that's a bookkeeping term. And this is the idea that, you know, I'm I'm keeping tabs basically. I'm making a permanent record of what another person has done and not done. And when we start doing that, when we start living according to those tabs that we're keeping, uh, I mean, it will shut our heart down because our heart gets hard, and it gets hard toward God. Number one, um, because this isn't how God's wired us. He's wired us for forgiveness and. Um, and then it definitely shuts our heart down toward that, the wrongs, you know, toward that other person. So as we think about resentfulness, we need to know that First uh, Corinthians 13 says love is not resentful. It, it um, says that basically love doesn't, you know, hold on to or keep tabs, but it forgives and it lets go of the wrongs committed against them. This is forgiveness. And Christine Kane has a statement that I really like where she says, we need to be people who make what Jesus Christ did on the cross greater than what someone else has done to us. Mm. So what Christ has done for us is greater than what someone has done to us. Mm. And, you know, that's really important when it comes here, because if, if I'm in touch with who I really am and how desperately I need Jesus Christ, then am I going to offer somebody else a lot more grace and forgiveness? You know, a- absolutely. So I think here, if if you're somebody that struggles with resentfulness, I mean, this is where um, we know that this is going to be, you know, really remedied by uh, forgiveness. It's going to be remedied by grace and Hebrews 12:15 says see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many be defiled. And this is one of my favorite verses. I think I use it all the time and I think of it in my own life that I need to not fail to obtain fail to receive the grace of God when I sin. Um, I need to, you know, go before the cross and confess my sin or go to that other pre- person and confess my sin to them and ask for forgiveness and then receive it, mm-hmm. um, not miss that grace that's coming to me. But then I also um, need to give it and extend that to other people. And no relationship will make it long-term apart from um, this, if we're keeping tabs. And I, I heard a story of a woman in Africa one time who was being taught this, and these women were walking like sometimes two, three hours to even get to this meeting. And they were being taught that love doesn't keep an account of wrongs suffered and from Corinthians. And um, the next day, the woman came back to the village where they were being taught, and she brought a stack of notebooks where she had been keeping literal account of every wrong that she had 
you know, ever suffered in her life. And she went up to that missionary speaker with just tears coming down her face. It makes me emotional to think about it. Mm -hmm. And handed that over Mm -hmm. to them. And I think that's what God's asking of us. Mm -hmm. All those wrongs that we have a list going on in us. And, you know, we maybe don't have that notebook, but he's wanting us to take that Mm -hmm. and say, this is yours. I'm not carrying this. I'm not keeping another notebook. Um, and you know, continuing yeah. this pattern. So it's good, and and and, and it plays out what we, what God really commands us. Yes, in Ephesians four, where Paul says, "Let all bitterness be removed from you, mm-hmm. and put away from you," is what he says, and then goes on later, "Be kind to one another." So you replace it. Some some often we hold on to it because it becomes you know, part of us, Mm -hmm. but it's replaced with tenderheartedness, forgiveness, um, as God in Christ had forgiven Mm -hmm. you. So, well, that brings us to our last one. And that is also from 1 Corinthians 13, where uh, it says, their love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. And so wrongdoing or just sinfulness Savoring sinfulness is another way I would say this. Just staying in sin. And not and it's not just your sin, but the sin of others. The idea is that you would applaud or support or, you know, be indifferent to sin that goes on around you. It's really a good place to end because sin ultimately is what shuts us down. It, mm-hmm. The wages of our sin is death. Um, it's the, the disease of our hearts. It's where the old man that all of us, it says the old man dies and then it's renewed in Christ. It's sin that causes this. And so we want to be attentive to sin, not just our sin, but the fact that it goes on around us. We don't want to join sin. We want to grow in grace towards those who who maybe don't know different and they're caught up in sin. Um, But we need to be aware of our own sin and... Um, the fact that it separates us from God, the source of life. So love is never okay with sinning against others. It takes no satisfaction in this. There is no satisfaction in gossip or slander or violence or immorality, whether that be a mind or action. They're not a part of love. Hmm. Um, And it takes courage, especially, I think, young people, again, to not participate in the the sinfulness that the world promotes and is is so much a part of to stand against the pressures to engage in any kind of sin. Hmm. So we thank you all for joining us for this series. We hope that maybe it has helped you uh, live out Proverbs 4.23 a little better in your own life where you're keeping your own heart with all vigilance because out of your heart, flows the wellsprings of life, flows everything you need for the life that God's intended for you and what He's intended for your relationships. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Hey, I wanted to let you know about this month's Tools and Tips for Relationships video topics, 
available on the website. The series is three parts with a video dedicated each to the topics of speaking, listening, and responding. There's also a short bonus video on the five levels of communication. These videos will be released every Friday throughout the month of July, so be sure to subscribe to a video membership on redeemedheartsministries.com to gain access to this valuable content. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.